847-487-711 European Television Channel. The best top team in the planet! The Lucha Brothers. Okay, and welcome to Wrestling And. Today... We are going to talk about something serious. We're going to talk about wrestling and addiction. Everyone knows someone that's gone through it. Food, gambling, sex, drugs. And it takes a toll not only on the lives of those that are into it, but on the people around them. And if you look at wrestling, you can see that this is a business that really can create addiction. I mean, you think of it. You're in pain all the time. You know, what's going to help you feel better? You're in heavy competition. You're traveling constantly. You know, you, you maybe take some speed, help you finish that drive across the state. Um, maybe, you know, there's a lot of nutritional supplements involved in wrestling. And some of those, like in the case of William, Re- William Regal, ended up uh, being very addictive. And I kind of wanted to do this episode because this is something I can relate to. I've struggled with uh, all sorts of drug addiction in my 20s. Um, and my choice is, you know, I ended up homeless in jail and uh, actually did a little time in prison. And luckily, uh, I've gotten out of that. But I wanted to talk to someone who hasn't been to prison, and that is my co-host, Justin. Am I right in assuming that, Justin? Uh, so far. So far, yeah. Now, they, they yeah, haven't figured so out the far, fraud yeah. stuff yet, but um, that's, that's good. How are you, bro? I'm doing all right. A little bit of a busy week uh, with the shoot job, but I'm doing all right. How about you? Your shoot job as opposed to your gimmick job? Yes, I guess I so. think you should start <laughs> calling it your gimmick job. I'm, I'm doing well, man. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm excited to talk some wrestling with you. We haven't been here for two weeks. We gave you guys a little break, but uh, we watched a lot of stuff. So let's talk about some of the stuff... We watched. Justin, what have you been watching in these last two weeks out of all the hundreds of hours of wrestling? You watching well, all those all those uh, TJP shows? Um, well, I think I definitely uh, made Wrestle Kingdom a priority. And that was the one thing that I definitely, you know, went on the way to watch and still haven't checked the what they call the third night out yet. And the third night outside of that. Yeah, outside of that, um, you know, maybe some about half a dynamite this week, and and that's pretty much what I've done. Just been a little busier lately, so been a little harder to do. Life, life comes, life comes and goes, man. You know, wrestling ain't the most serious thing in the world unless you're a wrestler yourself. Um, so you talk about you you uh, you watched Wrestle Kingdom. What you what you think of? First of all, what did you think of the entire? Two, for one night one and two the, the entire re- two wrestle kingdom shows um i i thought they were great um i d- would like to see like it to go back to one night maybe next year um i know they called it a double gold dash or they've been called i don't really didn't really see it as a double a double gold dash this year um there wasn't two golds so i don't know why they were calling it a double gold dash um I do think I just would have honestly as, as as tremendous and great as Osprey and Will were. Uh, I mean Osprey and Okada <laughs> and Okada was just so good, but I really think I could have done with just seeing Okada 
uh, and uh, Shingo, because I think Shingo deserved the spot for what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. I understand why they did all that, um, but I could have, you know, I really felt like it could have been a one-night card. You think there were too many tag matches? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you know, that's just the way they had to formulate it to do two nights this year. Um, but uh, do, do you th- I enjoyed do you, it. Do you think, though, it, that... Do you think that they could do two nights if they had more feuds and kind of got rid of some of the redundant tag matches? Do you think you'd be okay? Because, I mean, the idea is, you know, in the future, how how would you feel if they did night one on a huge junior match? I would have been fine with that. I would have been fine with them, uh, you know, not, you know, they would have probably had to lengthen out uh, Hiromu and El Desperado to have it main one night. But oh, yeah. it would have been a little long. It was a great match, but it, it would have been uh, needed to be a little longer than 16 minutes. That's for sure. But they could have done it. They could have pulled it off if they um, if they did it right. Um, but, you know, they put a lot of, you know, emphasis into that, uh, you know, Shingo, Will and Okada thing. So that's, you know, that took the prominence there. But I mean, yeah. The, the way that the, it was now, like any of those filler matches that were quote-unquote previews for the next night, you wipe those out, uh, and then you probably have one full card. I mean, you could have got cute with it and had Okada and Shingo be the first match of the night and then had Will wait till the end of the night. I mean, we saw that with WrestleMania 30. Um, I guess they could have done something like that. But to me, um, I, I thought it was unfair to make Okada and... Um, you know, Shingo have to go through two matches and Osprey only one. I thought it should have been Osprey should have got the first shot, and then Shingo no, cause Os- waited for no, because Osprey got stripped of the title, bro. He got the title yeah, ripped got from his hands, so yeah. he's first in and line. I don't. Then he should, exactly. So he should have had the first match. You oh, just proved my point. They should have. Well. well well, okay, but then she, then who would he who would the first winner challenge? Well, since he deserved the title shot, so Shingo should have had to do both nights, I guess. To me, it would only have been one night, or they would have spread it out a little bit. Um, but uh, I guess the way that that formula goes, I you know obviously, but uh, the two guys deserve title shots if you're going to go off that logic, right? Okada won the G one. True. Okay, that's so, true. So. There's some and JY quote unquote stole the briefcase, right? Oh boy, and he got that the was last a, shot. That was a clusterfuck, but yeah, that. that yeah, I mean, I happen. thought that was a little better setup than this year. At least I understood, you know, um, you know, there's no rematch clause, or I guess there is, but um, you know, just him holding the tie. I don't know, I just thought it was silly, but obviously, once it happens in the ring, we, we're all excited and it's great. But I guess it's just being nitpicky. I really. Um, I just didn't think it was a double gold gash. It was just two nights, two top, two title matches, and I, I actually, I guess we disagree on that. I found this one to actually be fairly logical from my standpoint. I mean, I think it was a little better than one of the dudes being like, you know what? Now I want both belts, and now all of a sudden it's a two night tournament type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have had Will and. Um, you know, if you wanted to give Shingo, who's the champion, the, the proper respect, then he should have defended it with whoever um, came out with Will and Okada. That would have been the most fair and proper way to honor the champion, in my opinion. 
Well, but but I guess the argument is like, why would Will face someone who's not the champion? Like, what? what, what? Because he's he's the number one contender. Yeah. Well, they could have done that like yeah. interim interim champion, like Okada and Osprey battle for the interim, right? And then whoever wins that will go against Shingo. I guess you could have done it any sort of way. That well, that would have made you could have you could have booked it with, uh, you know, when when uh, Okada wins the G one. Will comes out and says, "You may have the G one, but I'm the real number one contender." Um, and uh, well, wouldn't you just be getting the you know, same matches just flipped? Like all it would be was you would. But I'm just talking about you know if you're gonna make it two nights and make the most sense, that's how because there's you know like you know that's how it makes the most sense um, because I kind of think it it uh, it kind well I guess he got a title shot and then defended it, but um, I think the G one winner should get a title shot should be the priority he won the most you know the tournament that's the most strenuous tournament blah 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 blah. and uh he gets a title shot one night and then has to defend it the next night if he wins yeah yeah well uh, that seems a little rough well uh, he won't defend it now until what february against naito so oh yeah geez yeah that's that's true well i mean I, I think it's pretty obvious that if you don't like the two nights, you might be sad because I'm pretty sure they're going to do this forever now until the company no, falls apart. It might, you know what, though? It, next year it might be better because they're going to have hopefully, 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 hopefully. Um, more talent that they can get over on that show. I mean, the two-night format with a full roster and you know maybe some crossover, you could probably even do three nights of it, to be honest with you. Um yeah, I mean, I just thought that this year it was a little thin, but I understand why they do it. They they wanted to get two, you know, two crowds and two paydays. I heard the second night, um, which is a shame. Uh, didn't really get a too big of a crowd, like six thousand in the dome. That's that not bad. Good. Even at low capacity, that's bad. So, yeah, I, I t- yeah, I don't know what the first night was. For some reason, I only heard the second night. It was like ten. But no, 000. don't get me wrong. Oh really? I know last year they did about twenty. My God, man! And uh, what they do the year before that? Forty? Like, yeah, they did forty. They did geez. forty and like probably twenty-five the next night or something. Because um, this is third year in the row they've done two nights, right? Um, yeah. Well, major hesitancy. But that's a different world. Major hesitancy yeah, no, people, from the the fans. People are a lot more cautious there, and obviously for for good reason. Um, and I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, I guess, I don't know. I think all the, all the big New Japan stars were still there, right? Um, so all the, you know, native talent were there. Native, so native talent, yes, but no J. Yeah, no I don't J. think White. anyone's like, you know, any, you know, Japanese person that's in the New Japan is like, oh, no, no, John Moxley, I'm not going. I don't think that was really yeah. going on. Um. And I guess all the matchups we saw at the end of the card were stuff we've seen earlier in the year, right? Uh, early in 2021, those all those matches took place already. So yeah. there wasn't really as great as the matches were, and how I'll watch those guys fight every day for the you know forever. They weren't fresh matchups. That's true. I don't think they, anything they, was really fresh. They, they, everything was had been done within the the, the past year, except Shibata Desperate versus Renarita. 
except for Shabbat versus Renini, unless you're talking about the LA Dojo or whatever. But um, we saw Despi and Hiromu numerous times over the last 12 months um, in some form or fashion. Um, I want to say we've seen some, you know, some kind of mix of Okada and Jeff Cobb. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Naito and Cobb and Sonata. But no one was going to jump out of their seats for, you know, Okada and Sonata. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, there wasn't a lot of, that's the thing though. We had all the native talent, but they've all kind of done the, that's what kind of in a way is a negative thing about, I guess you could say about the G1, uh, unless you do the block thing, but you don't have a lot of fresh matchups throughout the year because they've all kind of faced each other then, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to see. It looks like uh, Naito and Jeff Cobb ha- have not actually wrestled each other in a few years, so that that's kind of a f- more fresh matchup. Uh, they wrestled each other yeah. in 2019, but um, no, I, I do agree with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, you know, personally, I, I was, and I, I know you were entertained by the shows. I, I oh, thought, yeah. I thought they were good, and in general, and uh, you know, I, I'm. It's not even worth talking about all the clap crowd stuff. We know it already. It's not worth getting into. No, but, uh, I, it's just to me. I, ha- I don't remember what the full crowd sounds like anymore, so it doesn't really matter now. Well, it sounds like this: you just get the wrestler's name and then yell it out. That's that's what it sounds like, you know? Yeah, okay. like one or two people at a time. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll have to and watch then, the Sakura. Oh, yeah. <laughs> watch yeah. Sakura Genesis. Again, 2017. Yeah, I think I need to. Can you really that watch that? Yeah. Why? Oh, because of what? Yeah, well, now, even more now. Uh, right? He's I just back. don't like seeing people. Like, I don't like watching people get injured, bro. Which is like, but, I don't mind like, in football and stuff, but like in wrestling, it's hard. I've s- I've seen a lot worse, and you know, like pre- people come out okay, right? You've seen Sid Vicious, um, so you know. Yeah, oh, Sid's big break. Oh my god. But you're not yeah, going to go and watch Silver King or or uh no. you're not going to go watch Misawa. No, no, that's no. That's dark I mean, shit, huh? That. Yeah. I mean, um but I remember watching that match and not really thinking at the end that anything was career-threatening. I mean, obviously, there was some crazy stuff. No, but, those dudes find um, a way to finish the match, which is absolutely nuts. Like, yeah. I still, like, they I must thought, have crazy adrenaline, him and freaking Hiromu. Like, how? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I didn't really watch that and think, oh, my God, somebody just ended there. No, it didn't come. I mean, I almost thought that with the Tanahashi-Kenta match, um, <laughs> you know, which actually ended up really enjoying and it was you know you could tell right away he was really hurt with his nose broke his nose right i mean i knew the broken nose i didn't really see anything i thought he cut himself in the hip. face honestly i didn't think he broke his nose but come to find usually out he when you bleed himself up yeah usually when you bleed like that um it's it doesn't nose. look like yeah like it's out of the nose then it's definitely not a cut and yeah i totally knew he broke his nose right away well why don't why don't we talk about that match for a second here because i actually thought it was a quite a good match uh i i've seen a lot of people saying they didn't like it um or thought it was average and stuff and i remember thinking when i watched it like uh, uh, you know everyone's like i hate watching tanahashi use trash cans and all this stuff but i actually felt like the the weapons and stuff were only like a little bit part of the match. Yeah, the ending was all about it, but I mean, they actually did a lot of wrestling, dude. 
Yeah, I mean, did you notice that at all? See, it, like, where I think it, 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 it hurt me. Well, I think, yeah. Well, here's the thing: is like when I was thinking about that match because I didn't really watch a lot of the build and 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 the road two shows that led up to it. But um, mm-hmm. I would have liked, you know, with Tanahashi being that just flat out, you know, all world baby face and stuff. Um, it would have been nice to see him kind of struggle with the idea of using weapons. And the story would be that Kenta finally leads him to be using the chair and go into that kind of murder Tana mode or whatever. But um, apparently he was already saying, like, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. You know, during the road to shows and he was doing it already. So it was almost like he already broke that shell and he came out right away and he was using weapons right away. He had, you know, so. Well, dude's already um, been in a ladder him. match years ago. I mean, like, I don't. Yeah. You think he. And th- those. Um, unstable ladders they were using. Jeez, that was fucked up. That was hard, <laughs> hard to watch. I, th- I, I really thought that ending was gonna get botched or something. I, it's, it's, you know, it goes to Tanahashi. Just even on a ladder and shit, he does this picture perfect high fly f- flow that doesn't even look. Probably hurt, but I mean, he made it look so perfect. It's just like, dude, fucking Tanahashi. It, I mean, like the, I, it reminded me in in all the good ways. Of like a of a '90s um, WWE hardcore title match, yeah, you know where they were just throwing every weapon in the ring, and you know it was you know until you know he bled, <laughs> it wasn't you know two, um, it was just a bunch of weapons, uh, you know, and the cookie sheet kind of stuff and all that. But I enjoyed it. Um, did you pop at the it, briefcase? Because I definitely did. Yes, that was funny. And I actually, the only like downside to it, now that I kind of understood it, it would be nice to see a little bit of a struggle with Tanahashi. Should I really do this? And then he ends up doing it or whatever. Um, and then I thought some of the spots, especially with the ladder, it took way too long to set up. That, some it, of the it did things. took way too long. But you know what? I've, I've heard you mention this quite a bit. And I, I, I just, it's, I could see him going with the whole, oh, Tanahashi, like, struggling but that it was never even like i i don't i don't really need that like i like the idea of tanahashi just being like getting straight up violent he's a wrestler right if he can do a hardcore match it's like you know i I don't know if i want to make him into this like oh i'm having moral issues with picking up this ladder no it's like i just want to win the match and i i kind of like that apart i didn't need the like he's having moral questions you know but it didn't have to be like it just it was. It would be just to, at one point for a split second, and then it happens. You know, it didn't have to be like a constant thing throughout the match. Yeah, maybe if he pulled a ladder stupid, or he pulled a chair out, looks at it, throws it down, and then kicks him. You know, something like that. I could see something right. like that. Maybe he does that once or twice during the match, and then finally, you know, maybe he, you know, Kenta does something that just puts him over the edge, and then you know, it doesn't have to be like this you know constant struggle of you know with two an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the no, other I, I understand you're making it a little subtle that would have been better i'm a good guy i don't need these weapons to beat him rather than like i'm not going to use that because i don't believe we should use weapons it's more of a you know i can beat him without it kind of thing y- yeah i i understand that and one of my favorite matches of all time uh um, which is Sami Zayn versus Neville had that very story where it's like, oh, should I hit him with the title? No, don't do it, Sammy, don't do it. And uh, right. I think that 
that can definitely work. So if it was done subtle, I, I would have enjoyed it. But uh, tell me, like, will you ever be able to get it out of your head seeing that table with uh, just this splash of blood across it? I mean, wasn't that not intense, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we talk about it like the matches having the imagery, right? Yeah. That definitely had it, right? Oh, so. definitely. It almost looked like a kanji mark, like a just this red, just... And, and you know what was cool, and I mentioned this on Twitter, is that, like, the Japanese cameramen and the producers, unlike WWE, they don't even, like, try to shy away from it or anything like that, you know? They're just cameras right on it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, they definitely don't. And, uh, you know, I hope Kent is getting better. I hear he's got the dislocated hip and he's kind of stuck in Japan and can't hip. travel right now. And, oh. and uh, he can't even go home and, you know, hang out with his his family right now. That sucks. Because so. of injury issues? Well, I think with the dislocated hip, it, he can't really get, like, on a plane and stuff. Can you imagine a dislocate? That's a big dislocation, bro. A hip is big. Like, how would you fucking walk? Joint. He's on crutches now, and I think a lot of it is also, uh, he was in the hospital for a while, too. You know, he said, he tweeted right after the match, he's like, I'm good, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, well, you, was, you wonder if he wasn't. was just so adrenalized, he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, he just... No, I think he was probably being sarcastic. <laughs> probably. Imagine how he felt the next day. He probably woke up in the hospital, so... Uh... My wife was reading some of the tweets that recently he's talking about how he's love, in love with his crutches because they're, keep, they're the only thing that can keep him stable or something. He's never met anything that can keep him oh, that's... stable or something like that. Do you, do you have your wife read Japanese tweets for you? Sometimes. I don't blame you for that at all. It's much better than the translate tweet button because that button will give you some weird fucking things like this total unorganized you know translation just yeah the wrong nouns and verbs for sure <laughs> yeah uh, the the kenta tweet said metal i'm fine and it, the, you know like metal as in like courage you know what i mean but it's right, just not right. a word we would really use in english like metal right uh, it's because it's more of a symbol that that it's just um telling you what the symbol means not what the word means that is there yeah well it, it was the kanji but I, I i read it with the kanji and like the but just that translation of metal isn't just not you know in english like it's probably a weirder translation metal it probably has a lot more you know subtlety than just the word metal uh you know a lot of more associations and stuff but uh that was cool that was on uh, night two, of course. Now, you, you're talking about El Desperado. I was a little disappointed in this match, actually, uh, especially hearing Hiromu talk about, I want to be in the main event. I thought they were going to go out and have this real crazy banger. And it ended up being a good match, but that wasn't quite what I thought. What did you think? Because other people loved it. I thought it was really good. I mean, I would have liked... I know maybe they got a little too... The going to the well with Hiromu winning, so I guess you can give him. I can understand why they went the other way with it. It really um, gave them a chance to, um, you know, get a, another guy in that division kind of made. Um, they've really, they've really built uh, built Desperado up now to where you know he's really this top guy in the division and looks credible. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess they kind of need that in the long run. It's just what do you, 
what do you do with Hiromu now? Does he go for the junior tags or do you build him back up again? Or is he going to go on New this Japan kind of two-year Okada thing? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's a whole other discussion to have. I'd love to see a really big New Japan Cup. There should be some guys that can fly in, hopefully, by then, but who knows? Well, I know they're going to have it in huge arenas. Uh, uh, moving on to that real quick, what did you think? Because, like, you, did you see that New Japan announced, like, this arena, then this dome, and then this dome? And it's like, oh, God, like, they really must need it to be recoup money. I mean, I would love if they could really sell out these places. Obviously, an impossibility right now, uh, uh, but kind of fascinating with their upcoming schedule, right? Well, I clearly think they booked them six, eight months ago. So yeah. they're just having to fulfill their commitments. So they're obviously the way things are going now, it's I think it's more of just people being hesitant to go because it, it just seems to me that if people wanted to go, they could have filled that building up a lot more. <laughs> um, it's just people there are more, cons you know, cautious and stuff like that. So. Um, it's really time to start the cheering again, man. I, I am one who has taken COVID very seriously. I am triple vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, but in America, we have the cheering, and it has not – although we are in another outbreak right now, probably one of the worst ones, yeah. but Omicron not being the most – anyways, uh, you know – this cheering has not caused sports events and t someone tell me if i'm wrong and write in right you know tweet me you know this cheering has not caused lots of sports events to just be these massive super spreader events and it's time to go back yeah not that we know of but i mean talking japan into that is a whole That's, other it's impossible right because like they are so you know it's they want the well, safety these sporting events here they're not even all wearing masks so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean uh yeah but i i mean it's just i'm i'm tired of even talking about it you know not with you yeah. and stuff well, but anyways. just with everyone well i just mean in general <laughs> yeah. like uh, clap crowds like definitely well the bottom line is i think that these venues they booked months ahead of time and it's not like you can just back out of them now and um and I, I do think Japan is in a little bit better situation than we are. So maybe they're hoping it'll get it'll it'll get better in a few months out there and they can I don't know. We'll see. Well, <laughs> I mean, don't don't forget that not only is the new Japan hurting for money, but those venues are hurting mm. for money as well. So I'm pretty sure they're giving them a really good deal. Um, that, you know, that's sure. totally true, man, because, look, these places aren't like Madison Square Garden where every night it's booked. Like, these places have yeah. baseball and what else, man? They can't do Disney on concert, ice. A Maybe a tournament. big concert. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the sumo, they have the sumo arenas. They don't put those yeah. in the baseball arenas, you know? Right, and, uh, yeah, that's true, too. So they don't have anything right now, so I think a lot of those arenas are probably giving New Japan a really good deal. And Ryzen it, is really the only other making thing. Making some money off of getting five or six thousand. Yeah. So it's not like they're renting it out yeah. to anyone else. So um, I think they're getting, you Good know, point. like Tokyo Dome's probably like, we'll give you two for one or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. Let me, I want to say this, uh, Justin, and not to get too in the weeds on the COVID thing, but listen to lots of science podcasts, and I don't want to sell any Joe Rogan because I'm not that way, but, you know, Omicron, um, you know, is 
considered to be less dangerous uh, than the previous variants. And, you know, th this is what a virus would, I guess, want to do by mutating. Because if a virus kills off its hosts, then the virus itself won't be able to spread. So the virus wants to not kill its host and be extremely spreadable. So, you know, it's just doing what a virus does. And if we're going to live a Some lifetime of this, button. hopefully uh, it will become less dangerous. So, Well, I mean, you're hoping that it's its last shot is it spreads itself out weaker, but I don't know. I don't you know, I just ask me again in a month or two. Yeah, ask me again in five years, right? Right. So uh, another, another thing about night two, and I know we're all over the place, guys, here, but uh, that's okay. Because, Bear with us. Yeah, because, you know. We're sure that your mind jumps all over the place just as much as ours. What'd you think about the stardom match? I thought it was one of the best ma uh, matches of the two nights. I, I it was great. I agree. Anyone stick out to you? Uh, Starlight Kid's pretty awesome. I you've become a fan, huh? Yeah, just uh, the mask and hearing that you know the whole backstory. Yeah, um, you know how, how she's a heel now, and she used to be like this Bailey-like baby face. She got traded to another, uh, you know, faction, and then when it came time to go back to her old faction, she didn't want to, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a cool story, and you compare it to Bailey, who people like and stuff. But this transformation to the heel has been awesome for Starlight Kid. She just seems totally evil now. But you know what was really cool about this match, man, is that. Tam Nakano and Sai, or Tom Nakano and Saya Kamitani, you know, those two were re wrestled each other, and Mayu Iwatani and Starlight Kid also, like, were feuding. And so instead of going with the tag team partners that couldn't be friends, they just said fuck it and went and had a crazy match. Yeah, and, you know, it's a chance for them to showcase themselves to just pretty much everyone. And, uh, you know, they. It seems like they sent they sent four of their most popular ones, right? Yeah, um, def definitely. Uh, yeah, Kamatani and Tom Nakano. Uh, you know, Julia wasn't there, and some other people. But they, these are four wrestlers that are in programs with each other, and so I don't. I don't know if I would call Starlight Kid one of their most popular, but she's definitely building. So, um, but definitely Nakano and Kamatani, and they love ending that match with her Phoenix Splash, which is like. Very good Phoenix splash from her. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great finish, and you could definitely tell that they uh, put a lot of effort and took it very seriously that they were getting the shot in the middle of the card or second match, right? So, um, you know, they were in a prominent spot. They weren't, you know, when everyone was walking in. So, and they I, they seemed to really take advantage of that. So, if there's anything we haven't talked about on the show, guys, it's probably because it wasn't that good. But, you know, there was good stuff. The uh, the the junior cha uh, junior tag match was, was cool. Um, the main events were yeah. both very good. Will Ospreay is just, like, hasn't oh, so lost good. a step, yeah. I guess. Like, what the hell, man? No, I mean, and I mean, it was, like, so just the, that match with Okada was just so flawless. Well, actually, both matches. And, you know, I texted you about it, too. And, you know, maybe we forgot. If you haven't forgotten, <laughs> we're going to remind you that Okada is the best wrestler in the world. Once you get in the middle of that ring and just, you know, that he's just incredible. 
did all his did all his crazy spots that he's kind of not done in a long time doing the dive over the guardrail which I thought that they didn't yeah. do because of COVID and they might not have for a while but uh, did that spot and then got paid for it on the second night with the kick yeah and honestly you know Okada just he he's like a Tiger Woods type of guy where he's willing to take a few steps back to go forward uh, later on uh, and improve his game. Like he'll just totally change, you know, like Tiger Woods would totally, you know, change up his swing because he didn't like one thing about it, even though he was, you know, winning a bunch of tournaments, but then he would not do so good for a year and then start dominating again. Cause he changed, made a little tweak and he was willing to put in the time. I guess that's what you could say with def- what he did for def- the last couple of years and the money clip thing and all that. And both dealing with um, back issues as well. <laughs> Yeah, he he got enough time off to get healthy, it seemed like. Um, And, I mean, honestly, I really think that, you know, New Japan feels like they're going to open up things this year. um, Or they did at the time, or they they did in the last few months, they thought this year. I heard April, but who knows where that came from. No, I'm just saying, like, when they were talking about this in, you know, in the fall... They were yeah. thinking that 2022 was going to be when they were going to really have the chance to open things up. I mean, rewind yourself back to August, uh, you know, when they did the show out here. Um, I think they really thought by next year, um, and there still could be, but who knows. Um, and the whole plan is who better to have with your belt and representing the company to the champion than Okada. Yeah. I mean, that's who you want. That's who you want to have the thing. Um, it, it, when you're yeah, it, going out in the world, and, you know, and, and man, I'll tell you, dude, you know, I, uh, I don't get, I get very emotional about wrestling, but rarely do I actually tear up and stuff. But that Okada promo after he won the title, man, he started crying, man. And you know, yeah. he started crying when he said, I want to hear you guys cheering again. Oh man, that was that room started getting dusty as hell in there. I started getting sweaty <laughs> in the eyes and everything. So uh, well, hopefully you know uh, the next. I don't know who how they're gonna do it, but uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later. And uh, yeah, hopefully sooner than later. And you haven't seen the uh, Noah show. You were saying Noah versus no. Japan, I'm so. I'm waiting it out till I'll probably check some out tomorrow, but. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it, just seeing what the, you know, the Noah guys are all about and that kind of thing. We'll see how that goes. You know, you got to, like, Noah's got their English commentators, right? They got Mark Pickering and, oh, this other guy. I forget his name, but I talked to him on Twitter recently, actually. And I feel bad because I made fun of him, and then I talked to him on Twitter. But uh, you got to hear this other announcer because he's like, they, he's like their version of Chris Charlton. But he really uh-huh. doesn't have an announcer voice at all, at all, man. Um, huh. I, Are they all Japan based? Yeah, Mark Pickering and uh, his gosh, uh, no, Mark Pickering is the guy I'm talking about. I'm sorry. So, okay, uh, Mark Pickering. Is, does he live in Japan? Yeah, yeah. Huh. He's like the Noah dude. He's the Chris Charlton Noah guy. You know what I mean? Like he knows the full history, and uh, he mentioned on the uh, one of the Noah shows that. Uh, what did he say? He said, uh, I, I know that uh, you can tell that Go Shizuki's getting better once he started 
chopping walls for practice. So I go on Twitter and I said, well, we know Go Shizaki doesn't really chop walls, but that's cool that he said that. And he wrote me back saying, no, it's, it's, no, he really does chop walls, dude. Like, it's, I'm not fucking with you. Like, <laughs> he's like, the Noah people are just different that way. Um, right, so, right. Well, that's okay. <laughs> like, um, why would you chop a I'll wall? I'll check him out. Uh, but do you get to ch- well, who's doing the announcing for this show though? Oh, it was uh, it was the two guys you know, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton. Really? So there's no alternate feed with the Noah guys? Nope. Huh? Poor guys. Uh, yeah. Now Japanese was a little crazy, bro. They had like it was too much. It was like seven dudes commentating. Really, it's like all the Noah guys, all the freaking Togi Makabe, Masahiro Chono. Fucking Milano, Shinpei, who else was other? Kento Kobashi, like that was a little too much. So, but wow. yeah, yeah. the The sound on night three was actually really good. They they did figure that out. They got the sound working great. So, uh, yeah, I definitely can't wait to talk about that with you because I I think there's gonna be a few Noah guys where you're like, wow, that guy was awesome, especially in the last two matches. Uh, you really you're hoping that they they go for more with this feud, so. Do you think it, it's going to lead to something in this year, or was this a one-time thing? I think it's going to lead to There's something this year because I, I've heard a lot of people say like, if this doesn't lead to anything, well, you can't call it a waste because it made money. It's still like. There's so much more money on the table to be had here. There's a couple entrants in the New Japan Cup or the G1, and definitely Okada versus Kiyomiya is like, you definitely are going to want to watch that. Like, you're like, okay, Kiyomiya has something here. Like, you you, right. you just are left thinking, like, yeah. I got to watch this. Because I, I think they're... Well, yeah, I definitely think that the New Japan Cup and the best of the Super Juniors, too, are going to need to be yeah. bigger this year. Um, especially with the New Japan Cup. I don't. I mean, the best of the Super Juniors, they can't go out there with one block again. Especially oh, since we yeah. just... If they're going to do a best of the Super Juniors in the early summer or spring, they can't run out there with 10 guys again. Especially since it just happened three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to do something bigger. Yep. I agree. Well, dude, I think I think they're gonna take it real seriously. Fiftieth anniversary, right? So, um, and right. the New Japan Cup is gonna take. This is it looks huge, bro. They're gonna. It's taking place over. Hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixteen nights of New Japan Cup, man. That makes me feel like they're gonna have thirty-two guys, right? And the the finals are gonna be in Osaka Joe Hall. Two nights in Osaka Joe Hall. So okay. that seems like a pretty big deal. Let's hope that it's what you said, and it's not one match a night with just tons of uh, filler. Tons of filler, yeah, because we we don't need any more of that. Or so, preview matches. I mean, I I always like the way the G one was struck, but even I always I honestly the way the G one cards were. Um, I okay. So when I went to that one night of the G one, I kind of th- did enjoy having the filler matches because I knew. Some of those guys, I wasn't going to get to see that They're night, good so. in the G1. Yeah, I think they're good in the G1. So it was cool that I got to see Moxley, even though it wasn't his block. And it was cool that I got to see Naito, even though it wasn't, uh, you know, his block. But um, 
from if you're going to be yeah i guess you can always fast forward so keep doing it well you know <laughs> but, justin um, though, there live. there is uh, something to be said about those great uh best of the super juniors nights when it's eight singles matches in one night i'm not gonna lie that is pretty cool i i do yeah, enjoy that too but the only thing that sucks about that is like you know like one match is gonna be two minutes long one you know it's like they have to figure out a way to to time it correctly so uh that kind of sucks too so anything else on the new japan rundown that you wanted to talk about or did we get it out of the way I think we got enough out of the way. I'm sure we missed some, but honestly, we're almost two weeks removed from watching it, so I feel like I might have missed something, but hey, I'll I'll be okay if you are. I, a lot of other good shows that did a lot of other um, breakdowns that you guys should you can check out, too, that did a way better job than we did, since we're a little not as fresh on it as they were. Not as fresh, and we haven't watched, uh, and I'm going to have to start putting timestamps into these episodes, just in case people don't want to hear us talk about new japan so guys i'll put timestamps. Right. they'll be in this episode I'm not sure how but i'll figure it out um so you say you've seen a little bit of aew recently not a ton yeah D- you didn't see um, jade cargo win because i heard that was a absolutely bad i did match. that you, you, an absolutely what match bad match like not good not good what'd you think I thought it was okay. I haven't seen it and at all. Someone said it was the worst title match in AEW history. I maybe I wasn't paying full attention, but I no. I mean, but you enjoy? Did you no. enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was okay. fine. I wasn't like, uh, you know, wasn't you know the greatest thing ever. But it wasn't what I would ever. I would never occur to me to label it as bad. Sometimes you hear pundits say, "Oh, he's so green." I'm like, um. I did can't tell. He looked fine to me. So, and, you know, it's it's fine that way. It, it just, you know, sometimes I think wrestling is not really a, a something, maybe unless you're talking about the top New Japan matches, it's not meant to be so, like, looked at every little aspect of the match. I mean, we do that because it's fun and we're hardcore, but 95% of people just watch it and have fun, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, Jade Cargill is a good person for them to try and showcase on national television and tbs and stuff like that i don't you know she's big impressive got a you know really good look to her like i didn't see a problem with that at all and she kind of came out of nowhere in a way um why not you know everyone i think was thinking that you know you know ruby soho was gonna win that so why not go the other way with that so I don't mean to put any of us in hot water here, but uh, what did you think about Big Swole's comments about AEW? Uh, I thought she kind of was pretty, like, um, I, uh, she handled her words well when I heard it. You know, I didn't really think it was, I thought, she, I thought Tony reacted a little weird to it. Kind of just um, tweet, tweeting this thing, almost not directing, not really directing to her, just telling everybody like, "Hey, I, I'm, I'm I a person of color." Offered, and- uh, I thought she offered maybe some friendly, constructive criticism to him, but yeah. he took it as, "Nope, you sucked." Bye. I have black friends. You know, that's it's that's what it sounded like. Yeah, I could kind of see that, and especially posting it on Twitter. It's like, oh, I need to publicly let everyone know I feel this way. You know, yeah, he could have given her that's a call. One of those, 
exactly or you know um just you know talk to another talent there and say did i did do i make you feel that way or whatever or you know i want to make sure we get this corrected or you know yeah he could have reached out there and said hey i'm really sorry you feel that way can can we have can we talk a little bit um, I, I think now nowadays though i'll say this justin you know we are in in society right now race is probably at one of, is like a bigger deal racism and race is you know one of a, a bigger deal than it has been in a while and probably for the better but i mean the idea of being called out as being any kind of having any kind of racial prejudice in today's climate is is just it could be like career death um so maybe you know maybe he got really upset by that he might have been accused of something like that and because it's possible that he feels like he's just is not that way at all and it's got upset you know if someone uh went on a public forum and accused you of racism or, or you know picking certain wrestlers because they're raced i mean would you not be upset by that well i mean I, I that's the thing you're right like the con you know, like um it's just the way you go about things like yeah. Uh, you know, it just all could have been solved if he didn't tweet that. <laughs> he could have completely ignored it and nothing would have happened. You know what I mean? Um, well, it so, definitely yeah. made a dark Twitter a very dark place for a little while reading and those comments. I think comments. a lot of it was he didn't take it down and still hasn't. But, um, you know, and honestly, since Big Swell isn't that huge of a name or that recognized, that's probably why it's just kind of going to... Um, go away. Yeah. Well, for, you know, like, and I thought she like when I first heard it, I was like, oh man, she must have just said something outrageous. But then I listened to it, and I didn't think it was really. Um, it was more of like you know, hey, I enjoyed it there, but like, there's some things needed to work on with this and that. You know, and I I didn't really think it was too, you know harsh i don't know or i thought she was very um what's the word i'm looking for um she handled it very professionally i thought yeah um well of course and leo rush i don't think he did leo rush jumped in there as well and uh although right. his apparently he got a talking to about it it seemed like because later on he's oh i just want to say i never had any problems you know <laughs> yeah well i i will say this we don't know what goes on backstage but I've heard just you hear from everyone how good it is to work there and how how good it is backstage right. from people of all different backgrounds. So, but you know you what? Know, Not everyone is going to be happy. Even no, with it's that, impossible. You know? It's impossible, man. And not yeah. everyone's. It, it was only a matter of time before an AEW talent come out and said, you know, they weren't happy. And Swole said specifically, she's not good at improvising. She needs written material. And in AEW, dude, you have to be able to improvise. You have to. That's you have to be able to write your own material, you know. Yeah, I don't think they have a lot of uh, writers, quote unquote, um, that are going to hand you a piece of paper. Zero. They have yeah. no writers. Yeah. They just have wrestlers and Tony Khan. Right, so, right. Uh, I mean, they'll maybe they'll help you with some bullet points, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's really someone that's going to do that for you. And um, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe we'll do this next week or next time. But when is the Royal Rumble? Uh, what the very end of January, very uh, beginning of February is that? I, very end of January. January twenty nine. Oh. 
And we already talked about who we thought would win, and Brock ain't going to be in it anymore. So, Big E, maybe? Well, first of all, do they even have enough people to fill both of them? Yes, because they're going outside of the company to get people. Right. Well, I heard Mickey James is coming Mm, in. Hang on. Impact Women's Champion, Knockouts Champion, Mickey James. January 29th. So we we can do a further breakdown of who we think the secret people are going to be, but that's 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 uh on the next Bro, uh, there ain't going to be secret edition. people. That's one of the worst parts. Why did they even announce the fucking Royal Rumble people? Dude, announce 5 people. Let it all be a surprise. Do you know how much I hate knowing 25 out of the 30 <laughs> contestants in the Royal Rumble or the fact that they can just declare themselves for it? Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Like Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> There you go. See, I already now you spoiled it for you me. You think Johnny Knoxville is going to take a good bump? He's taken plenty. Of, I I don't <laughs> I see any reason why he wouldn't. Bro, he's been slapped just as much as a lot of wrestlers and taken hard. I was just going to say, I was going to say, I think he's put his body through um, as much pain as those guys have. Jack, <laughs> you know when I I have friends that I've showed wrestling to, and one of my friends watched wrestling, and he he goes. Oh, it's it's like jackass. And I go, what do you mean? He's like, like they slap the shit out of each other and they just take it. And I was like, yeah, I, I could kind of see that. No, I mean, he's definitely, I don't know if I would say a professionally trained, but he's definitely, you know, a, a stunt guy. He's definitely a stunt guy, man. And he's, how old is he now? He's older than you for sure. I'm not saying you're that yeah. old, but I mean, you know, at 40, he's you don't want to be, be taking bumps and... He's got to be on the near side of 50, no? He's got to be, bro. Here, I'll look it up. It's worth looking up. He's 50, I mean, bro. He, yeah, there you go. Wow. I mean, he doesn't even have to uh, wear the old grandpa makeup anymore. <laughs> oh, that would be great if he came out as grandpa and shit his pants in the ring. Wouldn't that be cool? And he had, like, the, the fart pack in his ass, so when he, like, farts, it just sprays out all over the ring. Do you think that'd be funny? Yes, It'd be better sure. than Toriano, that's for sure. Oh, wait, no, we need to see Toriano and Johnny Knoxville in the New Japan Cup. In a drinking match? An alcohol match? Oh, yeah. And you can have, like, Party Boy there and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Who's probably 50 years old as well. Do a little Ryan yeah. Dunn 10 bell salute before the thing starts. Yeah. I think we got something <laughs> going now, bro. This sounds like a great idea. And, uh, so, um,. Well, that I, I that sounds good about uh, everything. We will definitely talk about the Royal Rumble soon. Um, let's use this as a little segue here. Uh, think about um, thinking about Jackass. You know Stevo. Remember him? Oh yeah. You know, dude has his life together nowadays. Like you know that. I know. I, I other than uh, doing some kind of stunt out on that uh, billboard a couple years ago, about a mile or two from where we I was going to say, uh, was it near your house? It was. Like right down the street. Yeah. Uh, well. Um, it, it, yeah, he seems to have it together more than most of the that old crew. Well, and he he went through a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah, definitely. Very similar to some of the people we'll be talking about today. Um, so obviously addiction. I already did my whole intro about it here. Um, Pretty, pretty all-encompassing with with wrestling. Would you say very part of of the the culture of wrestling in a way? Well, you know, listen. Um, when you do as much travel 
and have to put your body through the same strenuous thing night in night out you need something to get you going for the next day to the next town and you're also around other guys constantly that are going through the same thing you know and you need a distraction and you i mean uh sometimes you need a supplement or a you know something that can artificially you know get you going for the next night or just to deal with the pain when you get back to deal with the pain, yeah, I, I, I can only I can only imagine. You you hear people talking about pain in wrestling. It's one of the biggest things. Probably the, the as a non wrestler, I imagine that the pain of wrestling is one of the things that non wrestlers don't understand unless you do deal with chronic pain. But I mean uh, you know, it, it I, I I had arm issues for a little while and I know that chronic pain can just totally fuck with your whole sense of the world. You know, it, it'll make you question, like, can I live this way and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, night after night, um, yeah, man, uh, eventually something's got to give. What happens when the average person gets hurt or, you know, is sick? They they stay home. They they they, they take some medicine. They sleep all day. Or, or you know, if you slip um, and if they you, get a cast. If you, you know? Yeah, they get a if you If one of us, if they you heal. or I slipped and fell on our ass and, like, It'd probably hurt for a few days. We'd have trouble walking, you know. Um, yeah, but what if we had to go do that same thing the next day? Multiple, you know? multiple days a week. Right. You don't even have a chance to recover from the first time, and you're doing it for the fourth time. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's like, you know, uh, the whole key to um, not having a hangover is just to stay drunk the whole time. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um I mean that's how some people deal with it. It's uh it just keeps them going. I mean, if you had a rough match where you were you you know, maybe you think you might have broke something and this is in the nineteen eighties on the road, you didn't say, Oh hey, uh promoter, I'm gonna take the next three weeks oh, off fuck just no. to let my step No. <laughs> Someone's gonna take your spot and you're not gonna get any money. So you popped some pills, you did what you had to do. Not only did you do that, but you drove five hours to the next town. With the so boys, too. And you're, yeah. and you're then, you know, they're going to party before the, the night before the show, too, you know. Or they're, you know, they say, hey, man, you're hurting. Take these. I mean, you just know you, all your goal is to do is to keep going. Well, and espe- um, Especially in the 80s and early 90s before what we would call the opioid crisis or the opioid epidemic or whatnot. I mean... You know, I imagine that now we know that opioids are causing so many overdoses, especially fentanyl, and it's become a real public health crisis. But in the 80s or 90s, I think that it was just like, oh, you're in pain? Just here, here's a prescription. Here's 60 of these. Just take these. Well, and just, you know, you can go in other sports with baseball in the 70s and 80s. The guy's popping the greenies. Amphetamines, yeah. Uh, Yeah, just to, you know play every day in of a 162 game schedule where you get you know at the most three days off a month um no. i know we're talking baseball no but, but I it's mean, similar it's totally similar it's a You're grind dealing, and, it's, and you know something that we didn't mention too is the incredible competitive aspect of professional sports and wrestling being one of the most competitive industries you know in baseball and, and it's not something in baseball if you get hurt Someone on the other, you know, you have a guaranteed contract and your backup's exactly. just going to play until you heal up. 
there is no backup. It's not like somebody, oh, we're a team, so let me take your spot for a little while and you get better. It's like, no, that person is not your teammate. <laughs> You're giving he, somebody else a chance. Even if he works chance. with you, dude, he's not your teammate. Really? Yeah. Right. All those situations like that do happen in sports where – you know, a guy will get hurt and someone will play better than them and they don't have their job. Exactly. But that person is still getting a paycheck that's the same as it was, you know, you know, you're still a guaranteed contract there. So, um, yeah, imagine if everyone else yeah. in the league could get your spot. You know what I mean? Like every other. Right. And, and, and basically also, if you lost your spot and someone did better than you, they'll just keep him and, and then get yeah, rid of you. But, you know, I think what we've done a good job is establishing that the the schedule, the grind, and the culture of pro wrestling has laid the groundwork for people. Um, and we're not even talking about the aesthetic aspects and why people would do stuff like use steroids or whatever. But that's, you know, kind of a different thing in addiction, I guess. But this groundwork we're laying out, we're just basically saying that um, the way that this job is structured, um, that you can understand why someone might reach for a bottle or a, a can or a glass or absolutely a, you know to just keep themselves from you know not being able to do it and and you know what justin as you see this through the history of the drug use um specifically the most info i have is kind of on the late 80s up till today and what you see is is the pattern that most of these guys are addicted to alcohol and pain pills for the most part, you know? There's cocaine. There's definitely cocaine, especially right. in the 80s going into the 90s. But pain pills and alcohol are the recurring theme. So the things that we're talking about, I mean, they show with the history. They show with the drug use um, where this keeps popping up over and over. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. I can't hear you if you're talking, by the way. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. Just making sure. I thought I lost you in the ether, man. So, uh, uh -huh. when... Uh, now, I want to say before we talk about names and stuff, is that I'm going to talk for you here, Justin, and, and you can tell me to correct you or if you want to correct me or not, but, uh, you know, we both probably like we want anyone that has gone through this or is going through it to always improve and get better we 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 want john moxley to get out of this on the bright side and when we talk about these names and stuff this is an examples of things that have happened these are you know the historical things that have happened but in no way are we nothing about this is funny or or are we anyway no, 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 using no. an example out of these names or anything? These, these, I guess it is an example, but you know, a lot of situations seem ridiculous, but we do take them very seriously. No, I mean it's 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 uh, we are exhibiting what they call empathy. Yeah. Um, and saying like, hey, look how you know, understanding why this is being. Of course, we're not like condoning it or anything. We're just saying like the way that this industry is designed it has some of its you know uh employees that would imbibe in these things just to deal with the day-to-day -day because of how demanding uh and the pressure of you know for them to remain relevant um well, they need and, to do and those when things I, to, you when know, i bring up specific they feel like it yeah when i bring and don't get me wrong there's probably tons of guys who did these grinding schedules and did deal with injuries and didn't do any of this stuff. 
Probably most, right? I mean, probably most. I, I would well, guess. Well, just say that, that there was some. There was definitely uh, a handful of guys that Your Triple went H. This, Kenny you Omega. Know, unscathed. Yeah. Right. I mean, Vince for, for all we know. <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, honestly. We're not talking. Just, just to be clear. I don't really think we're covering stuff like performing enhancing drugs, at least in this. No, I'm. I'm not. We're not perform. We're not talking about that on purpose because that's honestly a totally different episode. Per, you know, yeah. performance enhancing drugs do not cause the type of physical addiction that alcohol and opiates and benzos do. And so, no, we'll talk about that yeah, some the, other time. We're we're talking about the guy that suffer suffers uh, a high ankle sprain. Uh, right at the beginning of a Monday through Sunday, uh, you know, two shows a day schedule um, that doesn't have the luxury of, you know, going to urgent care and getting an x-ray and elevating it for a few days with some ice. Exactly. I am going to pop a couple pills, maybe get a shot so I can deal with this the next day and get paid so I can uh, you know, feed the family. We're, yeah, uh, kind of exactly. Thing. We're talking about the guy who has to drive from Tallahassee to Jacksonville in the middle of the night, just performed right, with his driving foot that he just sprained, with his right. foot that he just sprained, just performed and is passing out and has to take some speed just to help himself get from point A to point B. Um, because and then when he gets to the hotel room, he's a little wound up, so and he's in pain. So few he, drinks, you know, takes a Vicodin and a beer. And goes to bed. Yeah, and sometimes that's a lot of times how this stuff starts. This is coming from again someone who's gone through addiction. It starts small like that, and and I'm sure with all these wrestlers, it does start that way. It's like, dude, you don't feel good, take this. But eventually, uh, especially like you said, with the pain, it it, it gets out of control. I, yeah, I think a lot of times these things start with responsible use and um, go overboard. Like you know, so I. I remember I had a hernia hernia surgery three or four years ago. Ooh, you did? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> you weren't in the contact list yet. Oh, but, um, okay. It was three or four years ago. I had a hernia surgery. And um, I'll tell you, man, that obviously I feel much better now than I did when I had a hernia. And it's worth it. But those first couple days after you have it is, whoo. It was terrible. You ever in so much... You ever in so much pain you just laugh? Like I can't believe this I, is what I, I'm I, feeling. I right have. Now. I had a, a, a colonitis uh, once, and uh, I was bleeding inside my colon and oh, no. like I guess ass area. And for four days, I lived with the pain to the point where like the pain was starting to become this like entity. Like like oh like right. I was trying to like separate the pain from my like consciousness, and it's just. It fucks with your oh head. It fucks with your whole being. Yeah. So I mean, going back to this, so like you know, you get home from the surgery. It's a it's an outpatient procedure, and you feel fine. You're like, okay, I'm a little stiff. And then the next day, it hits you, and they give you this little bottle of Percocets, right? And um, you know, you're thinking to yourself, like, all right, I don't really want. I know what the deal with these things are. Um, um but the next day when just to shift in your bed or mm. god forbid get out of your bed you have it's a whole routine of just dealing with intense pain um you, you, you go you go for the bottle and you take one and 
the pain is still there, but it's just much more you can manageable. Deal with it. You, f- you feel good. You're 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 watching some movies on the iPad, and uh, next thing you know, you're out of them, and you call the doctor saying, "Hey, I need some more <laughs> um, to get through the rest of the recovery here," uh, and they say, "No, <laughs> take Advil." Mm. Um, but I did deal with the side effect of the. Um, the pills that like made me be able to move on which is constipation that really sucked oh yeah with the whatever. opioids for sure yeah so um three four days especially when you have hernia surgery down oh, there oh, and oh. you're trying to do that and you feel like you're just gonna tear apart <laughs> i remember texting a friend that had the surgery too and i text him man is this happening he's like yes and when you were able to do it it's like the greatest thing ever <laughs> and yeah. that's what happened oh but god after a week i was up and driving again I needed. A, I took a week off of work for it, but um, you know what? That could have gone the complete wrong way with me, and I could have got hooked on those things. And maybe my doctor would have said, "If you need some more, go get them." And the next thing you know, it, I'm, I'm still struggling with it. In the it, early nineties, that's probably what would have happened with you, man. Yeah, it could happen to anybody. Um, you know, and I could have found someone that would have sold them to me for five dollars a pill or whatever. Like I don't that's know what I bought them for. Um, you know, it it can happen. To anyone, and I think a lot of times it starts with prescribed responsible use, uh, and then it goes beyond that, and it can happen to anybody. So, and 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 you uh, know, also, yeah. also, you know, we obviously don't know all the wrestlers' history, but genetics clearly play a role in addiction. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, sure. uh, who knows what their family history is. Um, the drinking is very similar in the sense that you. You know, you do it first because it's socially acceptable, unlike, you know, some other stuff like shooting up heroin, which you don't really do out in the open. You drink, you're doing it with your friends, and then all of a sudden you're not with your friends, and you're like, well, I'll just have a few. And, you know, fast forward a few years, and, you know, you might be drinking every day. And it's addiction in general is a slow process. You know what I mean? It's it's gradual, generally. It's progressive. Right, right. like I said, it, it starts... You know, sometimes responsible and prescribed by a, uh, you know, doctor. And sometimes on the other end of the spectrum, it starts as a uh, something to loosen you up at a party or just something you do casually. Because your friends are doing it. Yeah, innocently. But then it goes to the level. Yeah, it goes to a whole other level when you need to do it to function. It becomes addiction, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the... if you can't get out of bed with doing eight, you know, without, you know, drinking a fifth of Jack Daniels, yeah, uh, you know, or when you can't, uh, you know, get up the next morning without taking three Vicodin, that's when you have the problem. When you can't function without it, and it's um, yeah, you know, they generally say that you can really classify something as like a harmful addiction if you can't function without it, and if it's causing yeah. issues in your life, losing jobs and. Uh, a lot of these wrestlers, yeah, relationships, relationships yeah. definitely. I'll tell you this for me, man. I, I went through an alcoholic phase, and um, I remember the, you know, I actually spent a few years heavily drinking. I ballooned up to over 300 pounds, and I was actually put on oxygen. 
Um, I was drinking so heavily. They sent me to the ER. Uh, well, I went to go get oral surgery, and they sent me to the ER because they said my oxygen levels were so low. And um, I still remember the first time I really started doing it was I woke up in the morning. I felt terrible, and I remember, didn't someone tell me, like, if you drink while you have a... And I think you made a joke about this. If you drink while you have a hangover, then it'll stop the hangover. You know, that's, like, I guess some stupid heuristic... Well. Well, just saying that's the, you know, the key to it is never to not be drunk, right? It, like, that's how you cure the hangover. Yeah, and that that's <laughs> when I knew, man. I knew there was an issue because I was drinking at 8 a.m., you know? It's like, my God, man. So, it, it's progressive for sure. Um, so, but earlier on, I was saying we're not, as we're going to bring up some individual names and stuff. And, and I can just say that Justin and I... I have nothing but hope for people that are going through this or have gone through this. Oh yeah, this. We're, we're, this is about having empathy and understanding where it comes from and just acknowledging that, uh, you know, a lot of these guys and gals that we enjoy going out there and performing are dealing with a lot and, um, you know, before you uh, make fun of them on Twitter or whatever, that kind of thing, realizing that what they're doing they could be going through some other stuff and to just be a little more uh understanding of that and not to judge someone that's caught with such and such or you know you know they just can't stop doing such and such understand that like um it's 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 a problem that they need to to that they can't necessarily just turn off you know Justin, nobody wakes up in the morning randomly and says, today I'm going to become an addict. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to lose my job today and become an addict. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I don't think that's like a chosen life necessarily. Um, at least not initially, I guess. I don't know. Initially, yeah. It, well, it, it definitely is. A... And I am of the school that believes, yes, while drinking or using is a choice, that choice becomes in incredibly hard to make uh, eventually it's right. it's like asking you if you want to drink water when you're thirsty do you really have a choice yeah but yeah but uh you probably made the toughest choice at some point and a lot of guys do it too is is to ask and get help um that's probably the yeah. toughest choice you'll ever make so uh jump right in here we'll start talking about some names here uh, Kaylee Ray, is it Kaylee Ray? Was that the one that was in AEW? Yes, and I think is she she's in is she was she in ROH at the end or somewhere NWA or something or? I think she was in Impact now? for a little bit. Impact maybe now. She really jumped around. Yeah, and um, I think I didn't know she was dealing with addiction necessarily. I knew that she was. Uh, Maybe dealing with some mental health issues when mental, she just kind of walked issues. away from AEW, right? Yeah. And and maybe she yeah. wasn't dealing with addiction back then. But um, yeah, I don't know. She just made a post that said eight months sober. Okay. Great. So how awesome is that? Really cool. Yeah. Um, we we don't know the history, and it doesn't even really matter to be honest. What matters no. is that she is finding a way to get help and to yeah i mean for or just that the fact that she is eight months over um makes her a better person in her mind so 
that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, it, you know, and I definitely respect her for that. Um, so that was just kind of a random side note. But let's start here yeah. talking about someone, Sean Waltman. What, what, mm-hmm. Otherwise known as what? X-Pac, six, one, two, three, kid. Yeah. Uh, the Bronco you know, Buster. Maybe uh somebody that kind of annoyed me in the attitude era but then i didn't really appreciate just how damn good of a wrestler he is and honestly um probably in the top 10 best matches in monday night raw history um Razor the match he had with no with bret hart really yeah there was uh probably from was he one two three kid yeah one two three kid bret hart great match one he looks best. like a kid for real, huh? Like he did you, look like a kid. You think about WWE Absolutely. pushing young talent and stuff, and it's like, well, they they tried to go do something with him back then. Yeah, yeah, and think about a guy like that. Um, obviously, was getting tossed around like crazy because of the fact that he was, you know, almost always exclusively the smallest guy in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know course you can see him you know having to deal with that in a certain way so he he said that um he talked about the history of his his one sean waltman someone who has had uh issues with uh addiction um he talked about you know he didn't really use before he was in wwe like you know to a dangerous means and he claims that quote he walked into a company with a bunch of people that were taking tons of pills and drinking tons of alcohol on a nightly basis so if this is to be taken as true which i don't see why it wouldn't be you know there was already a culture specifically in early 90s wwe that kind of you know which we've talked about why it would be, but there was a culture in this company already that kind of like, you know, it was there already for sure. Yeah, and think about, you know, being in his position where you're walking into that locker room being the youngest and the smallest. Um, you're going to probably try and uh, not only, like I said, deal with pain in certain ways, but somebody like him probably felt like he had to prove himself and uh to the to a group like that right that yeah absolutely man um so you know it was pretty quick for him to eventually uh get on the train and you know he he was claiming that you know they did drug test you after the steroid thing they started their wellness policy i believe or at least they didn't i don't know if they called it that but for anyone that's not listening um why don't you tell the wrestlers about wwe's wellness policy it's basically their drug testing program, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. Do you do you know what the guess, uh, rules are to it and how that works? Uh, nothing to do with IcoPro, right? But no, nothing to um, do with IcoPro or Renutrient. Well, basically, they probably you know have some kind of routine or systematic way that they drug test people, and there are certain things that they can and can't use just like any other kind of sport and there's a list of banned items and if you uh fail your test for you know the first time you get x amount of days suspension and Mm -hmm. um second time a larger third 60 days etc three third time is Um, is it release 
Right. And I, I think part of it also is that uh, allegedly that you can get help through them as well. That's why they call it wellness because they I guess they want you to be well. Um, I mean, this it's is my kind of a buzzword. It. It's kind of a buzzword for drug addiction and, you know, yeah. wellness, quote unquote. I mean, um, right. To, and to, to be what, what I found out was that so in the 90s, they didn't have a what they called a wellness policy. They just drug tested sometimes. Um, yeah, but I think they call it wellness for like more of I'm, I'm sure it offers more than it did. In, I'm sure in 2006, you know, they changed it to the wellness policy with Eddie Guerrero's death. Right. So I think there is an aspect of it that um, it's for more of a uh, political correctness of the term. And they probably did add elements of rehabilitation and not only just pop you and send you home, but also try and, you know, put you in a position to, uh, you know, get help if you are willing to take it. Um this is you know, one of the better... Aren't they allegedly paying for uh, John Moxley's rehab right now? Did I hear that correctly somewhere? Well, and that's what I was going to get to. So this is one of the better yeah. things that WWE has done. Um, WWE, I have it written down here, so let me find this so I can read it here. Uh, in 2007, 2007 they started uh, with the program. They will pay all expenses for former performers who want and need drug rehab. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's good stuff. But was it done? You know, I mean, I, I guess this is a whole other topic. Did they do this because they felt bad for the things that they didn't do in the past? Probably a little or of both. It's a public move. A it's a yeah. public move, right? It's uh you know, Stephanie McMahon is the type of person who seemingly does positive things, not because necessarily they're positive, but because it makes the company look good um, and they're positive. Right. Uh, you know, she's the one who said charity is great for a brand. You know, it's a great looks your makes your brand look great when you do charity. So it's probably a little of both. But um, I also believe that Vince McMahon is a pretty strident anti-substance guy. And I think he wants his company clean, and he wants those people to probably get help. Although my guess is he thinks it's a character flaw. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but um, no. But uh, yeah, so they are probably paying for Moxley, which would be cool. Uh, do you know the person that they've spent the most money on? Um, Randy Orton. No, Scott Hall. Oh, Scott Hall. Yeah. Over Until DDP rescued him, right? Uh, did DDP rescue Scott Hall or was that Jake Roberts? Well, we we can both both of them. Okay, the the accountability yeah. crib. Yes, got to be accountable, guys. Um, yes. and we'll get a little more to Scott Hall in a minute, but over yeah. over six figures for Scott Hall. So so six figures for Scott Hall, and I remember Sean Waltman saying that he was had to be second place. So, getting back to Sean Waltman, he had yeah. really had some struggles on and off. Um, you know, he, he went through a lot of stuff. And one thing he says was that, you know, there were doctors. The guys would, like, tell each other different doctors who would get them the good shit they needed. Because, again, if you had a prescription, you couldn't get in trouble for it if they drug tested you. So. Uh, yeah, I mean... 
or that that you know you just found a guy that would write it down or shoot they were probably even wwe doctors maybe i i'm not even trying to get specific with it but in the 80s and 90s maybe all you needed to do was get that pad from the doctor uh that they write their prescriptions on and you were good to go yeah by the way, I, this is going to be a sidebar, but I, someone I heard a story of someone stole the prescription pad, like we're talking about, you know? And yeah. they, they wrote down, Mophine, one pound to go. Oh, my. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, back in the 80s, 90s, definitely a possibility. Or, you know, you just had a friend. You know, you know people, right? You know people. You know doctors. Hey, could I get this? Sure. You get a doctor that's a mock, and you hook him up with some tickets, and you make him think he's your friend, and he gets you all the Vicodin you need. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Sean Waltman seems to be doing better nowadays. Um, yeah. I, I think he's actually doing pretty well, running a little podcast and stuff, and just... Uh, As a matter of fact, I think he just shared that he has been medically cleared to get back in the ring. Really? And, you know, I want to say the guy's not even 50 yet. He looks about um, sixty something, but uh, well, he's in tremendous shape. Tremendous, um, though. Yeah, seriously, just look it up, man. Okay, that's that seems. Maybe I've seen he these was, older pictures of him. You mean like today he, he's in tremendous shape, or he was forty nine? Yeah. No, he's in good shape, like right now. Oh no way! Is this really yeah. a real picture? No. Yeah. Seriously, he's forty nine years old. When did he yeah. take this picture, bro? He looks he looks like fucking um Oh. He looks like Tommaso Ciampa, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So if Chris Jericho can go out there and, you know, do a few matches, there ain't no reason why he can't, <laughs> right? Yeah, all um, things considered if he's having like that. pain issues, who knows, but uh wow. I'm just saying like yeah, he's obviously that's a, you know, a good sign that he's not only you know gotten those addictions under control but he's in total control of his health and all that so and his wellness well, we, he's probably we love that for eating him. really well and all that stuff so good for him good for him man i'm, I'm looking at that picture and, now he looks real happy too yeah and That's he's got great. that dog he takes care of with and all that stuff and uh he looks good with the haircut know. too and the short cropped hair anyways this isn't a wrestling and looking and looks podcast but dude actually uh dude looks good so that's all this is a nice story of someone that's come out the other end you know nice nice story um so good for sean waltman let's talk about uh jake the snake um right do you remember uh do you remember dark side of the ring uh not only do i remember dark side of the ring but the yes and i i i i the first time that you really kind of saw his issues really acknowledged is beyond the mat um oh beyond the mat that's what i meant i'm sorry i got it mixed right, up okay. beyond the mat was the first time that i saw i must have watched it in 2002 and uh i i just i was like whoa this dude fell off hard yeah he was kind of the you know probably the toughest segments to watch it was in that, so in that was it his daughter movie yeah, with his daughter and the, just the really strained relationship he had with her. And I know he has many other kids uh, meeting her in the hotel and her wanting to bring a friend. And, you know, him just like referring to himself as like a baby bird mm. um, and just talking about how he would, 
you know, deal with the towns and how he wasn't a good husband and all that stuff. And um, just sad. Very and then, of sad. course, the, you know, I'm sure you have it written down as the resurrection of Jake the Snake. And then you can kind of see that we talked about the family history leading to stuff like that. And you can see that he had a father that did was... Did you watch that? Um, I did, yeah. And uh, that was very, very disturbing. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, resurrection, though? How, how did you feel about that? Was that disturbing? I saw it. It's been a few years. Um, so I don't remember the details. But, I mean, um, yes, it was. But the fact that he kind of it had a happy ending, um, for the most part, and DDP coming, it, it kind of redeemed it and made it, you know, a, a good show. But uh, a good, you know, satisfying ending, I guess. Well, and it's a story so, that's still going on today. Um, you know, yeah, obviously. he's had his struggles back and forth, but you know, as as long as you, uh, you know, get up one more time than you fall, right? Is, yeah. You know? I mean. Uh, they say with addiction, so, uh, you know, something along those lines. Although, you know, they always say the next time could be your last. So, you know, don't, don't go, don't go back. But um, right, you're never, there's, no, you're never cured. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's constant struggle. That's for sure. I'm telling you that, like, as an addict, you know, you, you know, I'm not saying I think about going and doing Robitussin every day, which was I was addicted to DXM Robitussin. But you know, it's still sometimes you'll be in the the Walgreens and it'll there's a voice in your head that's like hey why don't you try some and it's like you know you're you're kind of you know you got to be careful because that that can always uh be there so in 97 um roberts decided actually that he was going to do like backstage at wwe did you know that he in 97 that was kind of what i i do remember some uh you know, hearing about how he was on the creative team for a minute or something like that. And, you know, that's kind of what he, he relapsed hard after that because he wasn't wrestling anymore, according to right. him. You know, drug addicts will always look for reasons to relapse. I know that. Like, we'll be like, oh, well, I'm not wrestling anymore, so I'm going to relapse, you know. Um, but obviously, some stress. he loses that, um, you know, the rush he'd get from wrestling and he looks for it in other ways, right? Yeah. So... That was a, a bad relapse that lasted a while. Have you seen Heroes of Wrestling from 1999? I've heard about it. I think you're, it was just... I think I've... Yeah. It, it, I, I'm, I've either heard about it, maybe I've seen some clips for it, or something to that effect. Generally, I think considered maybe the worst wrestling show of all time. And uh, not that we're getting into judging people like for their addiction, their quality, because this is really the show. There was a lot more issues than uh, Jake Roberts on the show. I mean, there was some weird shit on there, man. Abdullah the Butcher versus one man gang that ended in a double countout. Um, Jimmy Snuka versus Bob. Anyways, um, and this was in '99, so these guys were all like way old then. But the you know it was supposed to be. Jake Roberts versus it was a singles match and well Roberts was his his promo was just like you know he was just blasted during the promo he right. he, he could barely understand what he's saying he started masturbating his snake as if it were his dick and uh, oh, wow. eventually, uh, Yokozuna and Jim Neidhart had to come out and turn. And this is 99. You know, Yokozuna in 99, you know, also a uh, uh, not the best wrestler then. So they came out and tried to turn it into a uh, tag match. So uh, 
that was like one of those moments, you know, where his addiction was made very public to uh, everyone. So, a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say you go watch it for a laugh or anything, but there's, it's interesting, man. It's, yeah, uh, I think I I don't know if I've it, w- it might have been incorporated in Resurrection or something like that, but I think I've seen some clips of it somewhere. Yeah. Um. I I yeah I think it might have been in Resurrection or something. So also kind of a success story here, right? He's been you know what, dude? I was there on his AEW debut. I watched it live. Okay. Big guy. Was that in- big guy? He's actually big. Oh yeah, he's like six five. Yeah. Um, I still remember he said something. Said something along the lines of like the only people you turn your back on is like cowards and something. And then he just turned his back and walked off, and the whole crowd was like, "Oh." But uh, thing with um, Jake though is sadly, you know, you can't do that, keep that up for so long, and expect to get out scot free. And he's had uh, numerous health issues over the years, and. Uh, it's sad. It's it's sad, man. And that right now he's dealing with stuff. He had to do some GoFundMe's for some health issues, and he's been off AEW for a long time now. I think he had uh, recently some cancer too. He did have um, some this an interesting type of cancer. I I had not heard about. I I believe he, man. There's really there's a bunch of stuff. But I think uh, he's also, which I think is very important too. Um, it seems like he he does have a good support support system with him now. Yeah, I, I think that's probably helping him. And you know, I didn't put him on here, but you know, we we gotta say like, it's what what the hell was that? Are you banging the drums again? Oh, sorry, I was moving the microphone. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to kick back here. I mean, sh- should we mention DDP and all this and what he's done for wrestling and uh, for these guys? Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about Jake the Snake and Scott, uh, Hall. Scott Hall, then we would have to mention him as being someone that's helped him turn it around. Absolutely, because we talk about guys that end up recovering. Um, I know we mentioned Sean Waltman. I'm sure he must have had some people in his life help him, too. But, um, you know, they all, the common denominator we're going to find in these guys that make it out are probably strong support systems and and that's crucial uh, stronger than the accountability crib as you mentioned and the good old ddp yoga you should start calling your your place the accountability crib to your kids and put a put a sign up on the wall when they walk in you know you know maybe it'll keep them from getting in trouble in school this is the accountability crib kiddos i do have the ddp yoga disc and i have done i've it done it for stretches of it's time. good bro it's, it's actually good, good. It it's dude it's so hard bro the like the third one the first two aren't bad but the third one starts getting really difficult like you have to, to do, do these like push-ups every morning i i just it's just getting into the routine again well anyway enough about no that, no but, i i know uh, it's okay i i, I dude if anyone thinks it's a joke like go check it out the third one it starts getting quite difficult, quite <laughs> like. But I love yeah. his thing where he's like, "And explode!" and you like push your hands back. You know what I mean? That's fun. Diamond cutter. <laughs> he definitely works the diamond cutter. The diamond anyway. cutter, and then explode. So, um, thank you, DDP, for helping out these couple guys. Dynamic resistance. That's what it's all about. Make it like your muscle is going through air, and like, like it's like my heart rate is jacked. So, um, I want to talk about another Sean, Sean Michaels. Now, I don't have anything written down 
here. But I know Shawn he Michaels is someone. <laughs> and guess what, dude? The weird thing is I found it in storage. Uh, so Shawn Michaels went through it as well. What do you know? Because I didn't look up or anything or write it down. I know that what he wrestled matches drunk. You know, I haven't really heard that with him. I know I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that he's had struggles with, uh, you know, substances, and he had a, you know, that the back injury that he dealt with after the Royal Rumble. And I know that in WrestleMania 14, when he dropped the title to Austin, he was not in a good way, and um, you know, he it was four years before he found himself, you know, actually wrestling again. Um, and uh, I think he was probably, you know, dealing with a lot, not only the injuries, but the substance abuse and stuff like that. I don't know what in particular. I don't know if he had to go to rehab or anything. But, yeah. um, you know, obviously he's on the, hopefully, I think he's on the other end of it now. Well, he did. One of the few guys he, he, left. He did say that he wrestled drunk, but the way he said it was, like, really cocky. He said, I was so naturally gifted, I could do that stuff blindfold and standing on one leg. I was put on this earth at that time in my life to do that. There's nothing more comfortable than being a pro wrestler for me. So, uh, some stuff there. But, I, you know, obviously not everyone falls off the deep end and gets multiple DUIs and all that stuff. But you know what? It's, it's pointless trying to compare drug addicts. Oh, this guy's worse than the other. Look, man, if you go through it, you go through it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't really think that you can categorize it with, especially, you can't judge it like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Oh, so, Marty, uh, Michaels has said he, quote, did a lot of drugs, and Janetti said they were on the road 300 days a year, and they partied at 290 of them. Um, mm. So, he said it would have wrecked his parents. So, another name, which... It seems like in the 90s, you just name everyone in the company almost. But um, Shawn yeah. Michaels. How about uh, Kurt Angle? Yeah, some of the, if you ever just listen to him reflect about some of the stuff he had to do. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, I don't think he was doing it this time, but, you know, won a gold medal with, what, a broken freaking neck and had numerous, numerous serious like spinal neck injuries that he was dealing with um you know dude reached for a bottle and mixed it with stuff and led to what a lot of duis and stuff like that four duis in five years there you go uh that's a lot yeah yeah and 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 kurt uh, angle it's a very similar to the situation you brought up earlier with the uh, hernia surgery um it was after a neck surgery in 2003, right? So mm-hmm. that's when he got it. And, uh, you know, he was, his doctor just kept re-upping him. And he he said that he was taking 65 pills a day. Yeah, I, I remember actually, I don't know if you have them on your list, Del Wilkes, the Patriot, um, who recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that era... You know, the Attitude Era, when he had that little run in 97, um, you know, which I'm trying to catch up on and watch 97 again. Um, you know, he was taken, you know, I remember hearing him on the Stone Cold podcast a few, you know, years ago. I think I listened to that about, one, too. Yeah, and he was taking 90 pills a day or something ridiculous. I could be wrong, but uh, taking a lot of pills a day. 
And if you ever saw him in 97 when he, he had a little program with Bret Hart and he had a pretty good 97 in WWE, he looked tremendous. Mm. And always had a great physique. And um, just knowing that you see that guy walk out and look completely healthy and tremendous. But look what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even know all that stuff he's going through. But he was another guy that was, uh, you know, taking as much pills as he possibly could. Possibly just could. Function. Just to function. Doesn't even help for yeah. the pain anymore at that point, you know. Right, it's, it just, it's just a function. So, uh, another great, great story here that Kurt Angle has been sober since 2013. So, you know, it would have all been That's good great. except for the fact that he was beaten by Baron Corbin on his final match, just, so. Yeah, well... You see, yeah, you they see, let him go out with style. You see people talk about, oh, this was peak perk Kurt Angle. Do you hear people make memes like that and stuff or see videos about that? Uh, thankfully, no. I, I thought oh, that shit is stupid. They'll show him doing some spot, right, in TNA. Now, neither you or I watched him in TNA, so, but, I mean, no. they'll show him doing a spot and be like, oh, this was perk Kurt. And it's just like, bro, what the fuck? Such a low low. Yeah. So, um, uh, doing okay. By the way, we got it. We got a yeah, few left here. Okay, cool. I'm we're good. we're an hour and a half in, so we're doing. I got a three day weekend. I'm all right. I'm. I'm Why do you got a three day weekend? Oh, we got to honor the great Martin Luther King. Oh, Junior. machinists Doctor. don't get to honor Martin Luther King. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I'll honor him personally, but we get a three day weekend every. You guys get a three-day weekend every month. Well, I guess. Don't you get Julio Cesar Chavez Day off? Um, not my um, basis, but the kids do. Okay, wait, that's a boxer. I, that's a boxer. I'm sorry. Julio, you're, you're thinking of uh, Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez. Cutting of the grapes. Okay. Okay. Yes. God, Julio Cesar. Yeah. My bad. Um, yeah. Okay, so okay. Let's, at least you didn't say Little Caesar. Little like Caesar Chavez day, <laughs> which is a great day in Michigan, though. So uh, Scott Hall, we already talked about him a little bit, man. This yeah. guy really, really went through it. I mean, I mean, yeah, and they made him uh, deal with it on screen for the most part too, which is a whole other discussion of you know well companies making it into storylines but um no he was a guy um yeah that's another one too but scott hall was a guy that just was just correct me if i'm wrong but almost like wheelchair ridden oh oh no uh, oh no he, he was wheelchair ridden i mean he absolutely was he tried to like come back in like 2011 dude couldn't even get into the ring they had to Cooks, like carry yeah. him into the ring. He looked like his body was locking up and shaking. Um, so you do you remember the plane ride from hell? Did you see what happened to Scott Hall in that in the plane ride from hell? Uh, remind me. He 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 got so drunk on the flight that when it was time to go, he couldn't wake up, and they had right. to put him in a wheelchair. And put sunglasses on him and wheel him out like as if he was asleep. 
Right. So, and then, you know, not to mention, by the way, was one Scott Hall quote that he said was that him and Shawn Michaels would party, they would check to see if the other one was alive. And if the other one was alive, they'd be like, here, take this. Pretty crazy shit, man. Um, What would this be? You know, half of a pill, whatever pill. All right. Maybe some benzos, maybe some Xanax, you know, something, you know, whatever it was. Uh, now, you know about his story with the Anna abuse and the w, uh, NWO angle with the beer and all that stuff? Yeah, and I guess at the time he was taking... Anna um, abuse. Yeah, Anna abuse, and they were basically putting him around it, right? Yeah, they were putting him around the beer, bro. I think he got sick. Right. How fucked up is that, man? How insensitive. It's pretty bad. Yeah. So. I mean, can't you be more creative than that? But, I mean, I don't know what was behind that. But I know they'll say, well, he was willing to do it. It's like, can't you think of something a little more original or something that. Or you could just think of not just not doing that, you know? Like, just not that. (sighs) Like, the dude's on an abuse. He's already struggled with addiction. And you're like, hey, we're going to do a whole thing with beer involved in you. Fuck you. Mm. You know what it reminds me of? You, you, I know this is a weird kind of comparison, but um, did you ever watch The Office? Not really. Okay. Well, there's this, you know who uh, Andy is? The character Andy? Yeah, um, balding kind of guy? No, 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 no. He is, um, what's his, he was in The Hangover. Oh, yeah, name. yeah. Uh, he plays like ukulele so, and sings and stuff. Right, right. Shields, so Ed Shields, he, or Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Ed Helms. So his character, um, you know, his ex-girlfriend is working for the paper company, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she breaks up with him and starts dating another guy that works there. This is the last season. And Andy's idea of revenge is to hire both of their exes to start working for the company. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and... You know, they're walking in and like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And you could, so Just that's put him in a bad situation. Getting, that's his idea of getting revenge, you know? Oh, so geez. it just kind of reminds me of that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 could yeah. see, I could see it, man. Now, I will say uh, Ed Helms didn't come till later in the series. That's kind of why I didn't. Season two. So that's it? Season he, two? Yeah. Two or three. Man, yeah. I honestly, I watched The Office, like, it was like, I watched it, like, the first episode online, weirdly enough, like, when, a little bit before, like, YouTube and stuff, you know, but, like, I thought it was hilarious, right. but then after that, really didn't like the love story going on there, but that's a whole different, next, we'll do wrestling Whoa. and The Office. <laughs> and I'll be honest, yeah, quickly, and just say how I kind of got into The Office, and it's been actually probably a little while since I ran through it again. It's almost time again, but um, it's almost time I, again. Uh, yeah, you know, about if every once a year or once every two years, I'll rewatch it again. I guess um, I rewatched some animes. Um, the one I got into it uh, when I was on paternity leave for my first son in 2011. So that was a good five, six years into the show. I never watched it, and we just ran what a great through it dad. when, uh, you know, when I was home with my wife, when we just had our son for a few weeks, and we would just we were watching The Office like for the first time uh, on Netflix, and uh, 
that was when I was first introduced to it. So there you go. Well, the British one's better. We can agree on that. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to another character who's uh, a character person who's had his struggles, and he's going through them right now, and that is Jeff Hardy. Yeah, I mean, um, another guy that look what he puts his body through, right? Uh, um, you know, if we're talking about you know jackass style stuff, just crazy. Um, Jeff Hardy's right there. Crazy, crazy bumps, crazy historical bumps, just, you know, swantons off the freaking lighting rigs. And also, you know, one of those guys that's what, you know, I guess you can, he, he, he journeys into the artistic realm. And I know he's dabbled with music and stuff like that. And just like, kind of, I hate to like put it into that corner, but he also has a few other hobbies and interests. You compared him to like RVD sumped. a little bit? No. Okay. I thought you meant like, no. oh, he's more on the psychedelic kind of. Uh... A, yeah, but I think he has other hobbies and interests that have a stereotype of drug use. Yeah. Whether it's a musician or a, like kind of, you know, an artist type of thing. Well, and then putting his body through all that stuff. And he's from the South, so there's going to be that as well. Uh, I guess it was like kind of going back in time here from from now to back in the day. Recently, um, Jeff Hardy, of course, had an issue and he was released from WWE. He just left Mm -hmm. during the match. Um, And, you know, we don't know where he's going to end up. That's not what this pod this episode is about. But um, no, that comes after a long struggle and history of issues and use. do you do you do you remember the uh, or did you ever watch Victory Road 2011 Sting versus Jeff Hardy? Did you see that debacle? Uh, not. I've heard about it and probably seen clips of it, but uh, uh, you know, I've heard Eric Bischoff probably tell the story about it too as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, that was a moment where he was inebriated and could just flat out had no business being out there in that condition. Absolutely. Um, you know, he had his home raided and they, uh, actually found him control with controlled, uh, substances and he was trafficking controlled substances before that. And he did 10 days in jail for that multiple, uh, DUIs, um, actually in 2007 left, uh, WWE after multiple wellness policy issues. And, uh, before that, he uh let's see he was actually fired from wwe in 2003 or 2004 so not 2007 i'm sorry 2003 or 2004 and it's the same issue you know the same thing that we kind of happened recently no shows poor performance and you know it just shows what this stuff can do to your body and your mind man yeah i mean um and we're, you know, I guess hopefully he's on the men with whatever was going on and what happened recently. But, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys that just really hasn't been able to, um, you know, he just goes in and out and hasn't been able to consistently, um, you know, shake it, I guess. And, and I think that you and I would love to see Jeff Hardy finish out his career on a high note. I, I, I no doubt about that. 
Well, no pun intended, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no like pun intended. Maybe... A low note. We would like him to, a happy ending for him. And, uh, you know, I think from seeing him perform in WWE the last, what, couple years, mm-hmm. it still looks like he um, can perform. Uh, very popular, and, you know, too. Very popular. Super very over. It's always very baby face, man. Like, really a super baby face kind of character with his edgy. Yeah, the face paint's been good, and the he's still got the look and everything. He He's aged pretty well. And to be honest with you, he's only in his early 40s. Um, I think he's a few years younger than Matt, right? Don't know. Looks yeah, a little younger. I think he cleans himself up and... You know, he could probably get another three or four years if he wanted to. Well, you know, I I, I just, I want to see something good. 44 years old. And Matt is 47. And how old is Tatsumi is Fujinami? <laughs> uh, and to think about these guys, they were in WWE in the early Raw days. Yeah, and they're still—they're not even fifty yet. That's insane. Well, but they started on Raw when they were like sixteen, so it's like the Stardom Girls. It's like they've been wrestling for eighteen years. It's like how they're only twenty-five, right? So, um, and yeah, because they've been training since they were—they were been backyard wrestling in Cameron since they were like five years old, probably. By the way, Tatsumi Fujinami. Who 68 years who is old. 68, who we recently saw wrestle. <laughs> Anyways. Um, well, that's, if you want to call it that. I didn't even watch that, to be honest. I think he dragon-screwed, lake-whipped everybody. They just and lined then, up for it. And left. Good for him. So I just finished reading William Regal's book. Did I tell you that? I finished the whole book. No. Um, yeah, I did. I, I started reading it years ago. Never finished it, though. Um it is a WWE book, which means that it's a WWE book. What else is there to say, man? Like it's you know it's co-written, ghost-written, you know all that stuff. It's got it's bad, hey, not man. great writing. Uh, Mick Foley's book. Mick were Foley's awesome. book was written by Mick Foley, bro. Yeah, he wrote it on a basically probably a legal pad. Um, yeah, but and a I big found difference the, there. the rocks. The rocks first one was really good too. Chris Jericho's books are pretty good. Uh, I haven't read those. Brian Danielson's book I heard was not that great. Mox's book was better because it was more him. Uh, but Regal's book, Stone Cold's book, they're just like, you know, they're they're just. I'll say the William I think Brett's is pretty good. Well, Brett wrote his own book from not yeah. in WWE, and I heard there was a lot of controversy with that one too. Like he claimed some things that other people, you know, just wrestling, wrestling stuff. But uh, right. William Regal's book, I thought it was pretty good. It, it's a WWE book, which means it's not well written and stuff. But y- you look at this guy's struggle, and it's pretty fascinating. So he actually started kind of using, you know, mid WCW to the end of his WCW career, and he mm-hmm. he actually wasn't able to quite get a hold in WWE because everyone knew he was addicted to drugs. So, you know. He got into WWE, and they just took a look at him. They're like, dude, like we can't put you on TV. But they had a lot of trust and hope in him, man. They told him, go get your shit together, and you can be on WWE TV, you know? So and it, Yeah, when you think about when he debuted in, like, 98 with them, and he was doing that whole man's man thing. Yeah. He was, like, 29 years old. Yeah, 
Yeah, man. You know what? I just saw. I just saw a video of Crime Time, and him. Crime Time is running around in circle, going money, money, oh yeah. And then uh, William Regal starts dancing with them, and who shows up? But uh, damn. Ron Simmons. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, William Regal had a very unique addiction. Now, he was a poly drug user. Uh, in case you guys don't know what that means, it pretty much means you'll take whatever someone gives you. Uh, you know, a okay. lot of people get addicted. Oh, I'm addicted to coke. Poly drug, that's kind of what I was like. You're addicted to drugs, and that's pretty much it. Um, and it was really ripping his family and him apart. He was... He looked out of shape. He gained a lot of weight, but he specifically got addicted to ghb have you ever heard of that no tell me so ghb i believe it's kind of a depressant it's kind of a date rape drug um oh ghb yeah okay yeah like roofie like yeah kind of like roofie uh, that along, along with rohypnol and stuff but uh ghb gamma hydroxybutyric acid uh, let's see. It is a naturally occurring transmitter, but it releases GABA, right? So GABA is like what alcohol releases or, or what benzos release or, or even, um, barbiturates. So it calms you down. It makes you, and he actually kind of got hooked on it because they were selling it back then as a, as a supplement legally. So hmm. it was called Renutrient and he was like getting boxes of bottles you know what i mean and he talks in the book about he would just sit in his room for weeks on end thinking that he was having the most genius ideas in the world and just do nothing you know um his what was the substance called renutrient ghb was the drug renutrient was the actual drink brand name so um and, and you know he's been sober for a long time and you know what changed it for him What's that? He just he he just realized he didn't want it anymore, man. Honestly. Hmm. So, and he just kind of cold turkeyed it. Yeah, he just said fuck it. He couldn't hmm. have it because he saw his losing his wife. You know, his kids. Right. His he wasn't sure if his wife loved him anymore, and um, he changed. And I mean, so much for the better, right? Look at his WWE career. I mean, all this great stuff came out of this guy's ability to just say, "I can't do this anymore." Right. So, and I know you weren't, you and I weren't watching a ton, but I'm sure you've seen like old videos and promos of him, and he seemed like a really funny guy. Oh, I remember the stuff with Tajiri when I was still watching. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So. A uh, few more names here, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some quick hits here. We go back into early WCW, and you have to talk about Brian Pillman. Um, known in backstage for popping painkillers like candy, quote-unquote, and used cocaine and drinking. And it was the life-changing car accident that really made his addiction worse. Um, right. So the weird thing, though, is... Pillman didn't necessarily die from his drug use. Did, did you know that or realize that? He had some kind of heart condition, if I remember correctly, right? He had a heart condition. Some kind of genetic heart condition. Yeah, yeah, that they noticed in him when he was like a baby. And I'm sure his use of substances didn't 
Didn't help. Hope it. Didn't help. And yeah. and that's the same thing with Eddie Guerrero, right? Sober for right. four years, but the damage was done. Yeah, I was actually just talking to this about with my wife the other day, um, especially, you know, people our parents' age that, um, you know, lived in the 70s and in the, in the, in the, in the 80s, 60s, that did a lot of drugs as convention, you know, was kind of like what you did. And I think even though a lot of people, the baby boomer age that were born in the 50s, 60s, um, although they've stopped doing that stuff for years, a lot of them are having some health issues and, and stuff from residual effects of, you know, doing so many of those recreational drugs that were a part of the pop culture in the 60s or 70s. And I think well, a you lot know, of them I th- are having I think health that issues now. Addict- I think addictive drug use is worse now than it was back then. Well, what I'm saying, though, like people that were doing cocaine in high school yeah. and speed and whatever acid or whatever and doing all kinds of stuff like that in the 60s and 70s and other kinds of drugs um you know are starting to feel the effects now later in life because they were really the first generation that was using recreational drugs like that so we really well, don't definitely know what happens even even a little like road. that's why you have people in their late 50s with heart failure and con- congestive heart failure and that's why you have uh, you know, uh, kind of, you know, your parents might, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think the use of those drugs in the 70s and 80s in that era um, are now affecting, uh, you know, the people, the baby boomers now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about the correlation. I do agree with you, but, you know, I'd be interested to see data on that. Obviously, uh, we know that the biggest addiction of all that we are not mentioning because it's not the same type of addiction is nicotine and cigarettes, right. which has killed a lot of people. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, the whole idea is you could do these drugs for a long period of years, but yeah. like you said, the damage could already be done down the road. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, every time you do cocaine, you're taking a few hours off your life, if not days. Right. I, I mean, uh, who knows what's got, what's happened to my body, man. You know, I have bodily issues. Like, my I've had arm pain that I dealt with for multiple years before I fixed that. Um, I've had, you know, I, I sometimes question about, has my memory changed? You know, am I less intelligent and things such as that? Because, you know, like, uh, I used so much, man. My blood pressure was skyrocketing for years. That causes damage, dude. Sometimes irreversible. Yeah. So, and that's probably what happened to Eddie. Um, you know, he went through his own stuff and uh, got sober and then died four years later. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, that, you know, whatever you, you know, there's you can recover but not fully you know not fully and and that's not even talking to them about the mental the mental either which you know right so so besides those guys you know it's really the list is endless but it the point is not the wrestlers that's not the point um the point is that you know what can we do and stuff and that's you know either try to get help try to get help or try to help somebody 
if you know someone going through this, man, you know, it's hard sometimes because it seems like they care more about the drugs than they do about anything else. But, you know, sometimes people are going to come to their own realization and sometimes they got to go through a lot of pain to realize that. Um, I mean, and it's just understanding that, you know, um, somebody going through that is it's it's a sickness. It's not, you know. Again, they're it's not they're like, not making that like they're not like I'm an I'm gonna be an addict. Oh no, they they are literally they, it's like a sickness, man. And their ability it's, it's to choose, their ability to make choices is severely, severely screwed up. Um, and it, it would just be if you had a friend that had a headache, you'd offer him some Tylenol. If you had a friend that had a cough, you'd give him a cough drop. Um, you know, it's it's. First of all, just going with the mindset of they're 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 dealing with a sickness, a disease, um, and you know, kind of trying to remove that level of judgment. Yeah, and and if you're listening to this and you feel like you might have issues, you know, there's so many resources, and you know, you're always welcome to DM me or hit me up personally. I've been through it before, and there's so many free resources too. There, there's uh, AA. I'm not religious. I'm an atheist, but I found AA to be helpful. There's, there's uh, anonymous groups for all sorts of drug use, and there's in America at least there, there's a lot of uh, community help. There's sober living and things like that, because and there's know, got a, there's there's somebody, uh, whether it's a coworker or uh, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a parent, a sibling. There, you know, there's somebody in their in your life um, that you know is willing to help you if you just reach out. Absolutely, absolutely, there is, and you know, there's there are resources, and it's the first thing is going to be talking about it with people and admitting that there's an issue there. Um, you know, that is like the huge first step. That's like there's a staircase above you and the first step is like 20 feet tall. If you can take that first step, then you can start really climbing because, you know, you, you, you every time you use, man, it could be your last time. And, you know, sadly, there were some wrestlers or wrestling adjacent people like Miss Elizabeth, right? Or yeah. like Bam Bam Bigelow that we're never able to make that first step eventually um, or, or not able to actually. They, we weren't able to because they didn't live to be able to. So, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of a sombering episode, but, you know, it's not all about fun and games here. Um, I think we've touched on a l- Usually it will be, though. Usually it will be. But I, I think we've touched on an important topic that I've wanted to talk about. Um, right, right. We definitely have a lot of hope for Moxley. We want to see him back. Yeah. He's scheduled February 23rd with a GCW match, and I would imagine that he uh, is hopefully um, going to show up on AEW soon. And, um, you know, I still want to see him in Tanahashi. Um, but Don't we you all? Know, Mox uh, took a big first step with his, and he, he you know... He saw he needed the help, and he's got a young kid and a wife, and moved, he went he just out and moved got the help, to a different so. city too. Are they in Vegas still? No, they moved to uh, Cleveland. 
Oh, the Cleveland. Yeah. Not Cincinnati, where he's from. Oh, Cincinnati. Sorry. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> totally different city. Um, right. Yeah, they moved to Cincinnati, so um, he's closer to probably some cl- closer to Canada familiarity. It, Not really. Well, yeah, it's well, closer, closer to Canada because his wife is from there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know that first step, man. It's worth so much more than your spot in the card and all that stuff. Your health, your life, your family. It's it's worth more than anything. So, um, you know, and you know what? He's a guy that I guess we don't know for sure, but this is a guy that's you know at the top of his profession, if not the top one to two percent. One of, of the top wrestlers in the world. In the world, and I know there's a lot of people that are dealing with these issues that aren't in the position he was in professionally um, that probably need, you know, a lot more help. But it also makes what he's what he did very brave because he could have probably hide, you know, hid this for years and not had to lose his spot, um, so to say, or maybe eventually he would have, but. For him to go out at probably one of the biggest peaks of his career uh, and acknowledge this and get this taken care of uh, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. So, you know, there's been there's so many more wrestlers, Lex Luger, Ted DiBiase, even Rey Mysterio, Dustin Rhodes, Randy Orton, Yokozuna, who dealt with eating addiction, um, you know, right. RVD, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And really, uh, there's just a history there, man, but... You know, hopefully with time, you know, people, Moxley will set a good example for sure, right? Like, hopefully other wrestlers can see that and be like, you know what? If he could do it, I can do it. You know, let's hope that the industry adjusts to it as well and maybe is a little less demanding out of these guys. Um, You know, the the pandemic has, you know, all but kind of, for a while, reduced house shows and stuff like that and put these guys at a you know, flying five days a week, home Tuesday, Wednesday kind of schedule um, that WWE had was completely unnecessary and totally, you know, aided in abetting these type of, uh, you know... Oh, for sure, house shows every night. Yeah, so hopefully... um, I know AEW um, doesn't necessarily... You know, you work six, seven days a a month... um, and stuff like that. So if that, I think four days yeah, a month. If, if you're on TV quite a bit, I mean, if you're on TV every day, it's oh, I guess it'd be four or five. So yeah, so you're right, six or seven. Um, you know, and in Japan, yeah. you go on a long tour, then you get a long break. Go on a long tour, get a get a couple weeks right. off. Right, and they're not doing the strenuous travel that you would in the United States. They're I, you don't think so, bro? Because they bus from all over that place. It's be like busing all over California all all the time. Yeah, but right, but you know when you compare it to cross country travel, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's a little bit different. Well, um, definitely having to go on airplanes and changing time zones all all the time. Yeah. Big difference there. Yeah, you don't not have to, to do that in Japan. Not to mention going to other countries. Exactly. And Yokozuna died in England. Right. Right. So. Uh, probably a few other wrestlers have died overseas, too. Um, but, yeah, particularly with Yokozuna. Um, but And I think a lot of these companies right now, Yokozuna wouldn't have been working in that condition. No. Um, no, Yokozuna would have been would've been on A&E. Sent home. He would have been in rehab. Or he would have been, been on you know. A- A&E, My 600-Pound right. Life. 
That's how much you oh, weighed, well, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things dying overseas, did you hear that they're doing an elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> did you hear that? When? That's going to be their next... Uh, that's going to be the single pay-per-view in between... WrestleMania Mania and, and Rumble. Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Probably that last Saudi show they did... The, was pretty good, was huh? Crowned, it was probably one of their best pay-per-views of the year. It was actually pretty good. Uh, Elimination Chamber is always kind of a cool match. I kind of wish yeah, it had more... Yeah, I, I, I'm i like, how are they going to transport that? <laughs> I guess they have a jumbo jet they'll probably like fill the Elimination Chamber into piece by piece. But, uh, you know, since I got back in from my laps, two of the quote-unquote concepts that I've enjoyed uh, in terms of, you know something different from what I watched in the Attitude Era and everything in the early Zeros was the money the, the money in the bank in the Elimination Chamber. I thought those were cool. Uh, yeah, definitely. Elimination I mean, could you imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin in 98 walking around with the money in the bank? How freaking crazy that would be. Oh, that would have been awesome, dude. That would have been awesome. Or, you know, The Undertaker about to go into the Elimination Chamber and then fire shoots up and burns his entire and body. Has the money in the bank. Uh, or, right. you know, it's Shawn Michaels, you know, with the money in the bank, with DX. I mean, Triple H with it. And I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys in the Elimination Chamber. Oh, well, yeah, if they had a tag team one, sure. No, I'm talking all four of them against each other. Oh, sure. And add, add well, a Dudley in there. I don't know if there. it'll be better than that match they had in was WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17. One of those. It's 17 or 18. Yeah, that ladder match. So good. So, you, yeah. you know, you talk about, a, like, plane crash matches. That was like a car crash match for sure, dude. I mean, dude, I think everything we see from that point on in terms of, you know, ladder matches and just, honestly, we were talking about Kenta... And Tanahashi earlier. Who knew we Maybe would talk about Kenta and Tanahashi in relations to the Hardy Brothers? Well, I'm just saying a lot of elements and yeah. that match were all birthed by that match. You know what, Justin? You're a good co-host partner. I will spear you off of a hanging whatever anytime. All right, brother? Oh, appreciate it. And I'll do that for any of the fans as well. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. I appreciate it. You want to tell the fans anything, Justin? Um, No, just, you know, stay away from the bad stuff. And if you're on it, uh, do the brave thing and get some help. Uh, whether it's DMing John or any of our social media or telling a friend or a co-worker or just somebody that you think you can trust or hitting a hitting a meeting hitting a meeting too an AA right. meeting I think you're a lot closer to help than you think you are for sure there's people in every city man there's people everyone's going like every city there's people there, no one is immune from this type of thing and everyone knows somebody that's gone through it or is going through it so um, you're always, always one choice away from getting help. So, well, in that case, man, I think we had a good episode here. I look forward to talking to you next week or the week after. We'll maybe preview the Rumble. Maybe right. next week. We'll figure that out. And then we still got a special uh, series we want to do for you guys, too. About, uh, I won't spoil it for him, but 
I'm yeah, ex- yeah, we got some stuff in the works that we're researching in the background. Yes, because, uh, yeah, we just want to know everything about it. So, all right, Justin, well, I will talk to you later, brother, and I will talk to everyone later as well. See you guys. See ya.